Hello and welcome to Spy Hard's podcast. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. Boris? Boris? I'm on the phone. Yeah, Cam, could you get that guy to stop smashing that radiator? Because I want to talk about this week's film. He's incessant, I tells you. Yes, he certainly is. But Cam, let's get down to it. What is it we're talking about this week? Yes, we are talking about the new film, Compromat, uh, directed and co-written by Jerome Sal. That's right, Cam. And as this is a declassified special, uh, we will be talking about our thoughts on the film in brief in just a little while. But before that, we have a special treat for you all. We're joined by not only the director of the film, Mr. Jerome Sal, but also the co-leads of the film, uh, Gilles Lelouch and Joanna Kulig, who uh, will be joining me shortly to talk all about the film and their work on it. Um, but before we even get to that, let's just quickly talk about Compromat, the film itself. It's coming out on streaming uh, the day of release of this episode, which is the 27th of January, 2023. And if you haven't heard of it, here is your letterbox.com synopsis. Compromat, an ordinary Frenchman trapped by the Russian state. Matthew, a member of the French Institute in Okutsk, is arrested overnight by the Russian authorities. Imprisoned and accused of abuse on his own daughter, he realises he is a victim of a compromat. With the help of the FSB, someone has built up a case to frame him. Isolated, he has no one to turn to. Proving his innocence is impossible. The only solution is to escape. Damn right. So I think without further ado, Cam, what we'll do first is we're going to throw to the wonderful interview we have with Jerome, Gilles and Joanna. We're going to talk all about the film, then come back and discuss our thoughts. How does that sound? That sounds great. I am ready to go. Fire it up. And joining us now on the show, quite the triple threat. We're talking about Compromat 2022's spy movie. Uh, we have firstly the director, Jerome Sal, joining us. Hello, Jerome. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. How are you? I am doing wonderful, and I'm looking forward to speaking to all of you. And uh, accompanying Jerome is two stars from the film. Firstly, we have uh, Gilles Lelouch. How are you doing, Gilles? I'm doing really fine. I I'm loving the booming echo you have there. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah, pretty lovely. <laughs> no, this is not true, Scott. You don't love it. This is not true. I, I, I can hear my editor going crazy already. That's, uh, that's going to be fun. Um. And uh, accompanying him at his side it is a co-star of the film, Joanna Kulik. Hello, Joanna. How are you? Hello. Nice to meet you. Very well. How are you? I'm, I'm even better for speaking to you. It's like one up from each of you. It's getting better <laughs> as we go. Um, so I think, I mean, I've just watched the film and we're just doing a review in this episode, but I'm looking forward to speaking to you all about the film. Now, it came out last year, but it's going to streaming this year, 2023. Um, the first question I have for everyone, and we'll probably start with Jerome and work our way through everyone, is what sort of drew you into wanting to tell this story? I mean, uh, I wanted to talk about Russia since a while. I mean, the first time I, I went to Russia was to, to promote my, my previous uh, movies. And, and it's a fascinating country. And I was, I was, I was surprised and interested by, by, I mean, by this country and had the feeling that in fact, Western countries, Western Europe didn't really know, um, what was Russia, in fact. Mm -hmm. And so I had that, I had that in mind. And when I heard about the story of a guy, a French guy who, who had, a, I mean, who had been trapped by a compromise in Russia, I thought, well, that's a, 
that's something. That's a story we can we can we can we can tell. So that's that's how it started. It's uh, it's interesting because I've been reviewing spy movies for what feels like years now, and I've never come across the word compromat, which is strange because it's actually something that happens quite a lot in Russia. It's super. Cl- I mean, it's the last super classic in Russia. I mean, so it's it's mostly used, of course, against Russian people, mm-hmm. but I mean, apparently not 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 always. But yes, it's an old. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a classic. But well, I mean, I guess I mean it, it can be used. We we had a scandal not so long ago here in France with a a mayor of a small town somewhere in France who organized a compromise about another politician from the same area. So I mean, I guess it's pretty international. Eh? But I mean, the best. For the compromise, obviously, as a Russian, and we definitely deal with Russia in this film, which I'm sure we'll get into. But let's let's throw it over to uh, Joanna. Let's have you up first. What interested you about sort of telling this story and getting involved with the film? I think for me, I played part Svetlana. It was quite interesting, and I remember when we met with Jérôme in, in France, it was just after the TV series with Damien Chazelle, the Eddie. And for me, the script was amazing and my character was really, really great. And I was happy that I will play with Gilles Lelouch. But I think what was the most interesting for me, it was um, playing the, the conflict between, between two sides of her personality. One was, you know, the Russian part of the character, I'm Polish, um, how she was, you know, connected with her husband and how she was connected with with new love for her. So, so for me, acting like this two, you know, different kind of, you know, sides inside her, you know, personality was very, very, very nice. I mean, it's the Svetlana character is, is definitely an interesting one because there's a duality to her. She's got this husband, and, and she is still, you know, looking after her husband after going through the wars, and she's being a, you know, stand-up woman to her, to him, I should say. But also, this love has has, has burst out of her life, and she's felt like a, a flourish that she's not felt before. That's what I got from it, at least. And so that that's definitely something that's a, a tough thing to portray. I think you do it really well. Uh, Gilles, over to you, sir. What sort of interested you about telling the story? Oh, it was um, these guys fighting, fighting for the truth. I thought it was really uh, like a, a great part for an actor, of course, for evidence. And uh, like this concrete nightmare, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's it's like extraordinary story, but it's it's about it's inspired by the, by a true story. So I was really. Uh, Involved with this guy, with this character, because I, I thought about the nightmare living, and um, this guy thought that he was uh, in hell with his family, with his wife, and it's just the start of a nightmare for a long nightmare. And it's uh, this method, this Russian method, is like so awful that uh, I, I thought it was really brave from Jérôme to talk about it and to to mix. Um, a lot of different um, influence to, to, to get a, an action movie with a social part and um, uh, a, a lot of feelings too. So for me, as an actor, it's not quite a proposition in France. Really, it's not often. It's really, it's quite rare to get this kind of movies in France. So I was really excited about it, and I was really excited to to work with uh, with Joanna for sure. 
I think you two have fantastic chemistry on the screen. And I, I think one thing that uh, I was a bit concerned going in with was there's different languages going on in the film. There's, there's there's Russian, there's French. I myself am an English speaker. I did French for five years in school. It did not help me at all during th this watching process. Luckily, uh, you guys put on a wonderful performance. So it's all coming through the screen without the subtitles anyway. So thank you for that. Um, thank yeah. you. I, I won't be trying my, my French today. Don't worry. It, it won't work. Um, but talking about, you say you don't get these sorts of films in France. And I wanted to talk about sort of espionage and spy films to you all a little bit. Uh, you know, what is it? Because you've all had sort of dabbled in these worlds in one way or another. What is it you find interesting about working in sort of spy espionage movies? We'll, we'll start with you, Jerome. Um, no, uh, I mean, for, for me, spy is, a, is like a, it's, it's pretty close to film noir. It's a way to... I mean, when when I write movies, the way I the way I love to work, I'm trying to 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 make movies which are entertaining and and for pretty wide audience. And of course, I mean, thrillers absolutely perfect for that. It's a great experience for me as a as a as the, I mean, as a spectator, it's a great experience in a movie theater. But it's also a way so to have both to be thrilling, to be entertaining. But also to talk about the world where we live in. That's exactly the feeling I had, you know, when you asked me about why did you tell this story? Why? I mean, what was your motivation? It's really about that, is having something which is entertaining, thrilling, a lot of tension, not 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 action, but a lot of tension. And and talking about the world, the way it goes, actually, you know, and, and that's pretty cool. And and thriller gives you this opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, it's kept us in business for years now. So we, we love talking about it. Um, jo Joanna, over to you. I mean, you know, spy movies, espionage. What, what do you find interesting about this sort of subject material? Yeah, I, I never played with a movie like that. Mm. So it was quite interesting to play, uh, play um, with this kind of uh, movie. But what was interesting for me too, which I would like to maybe just to change subject because you spoke about this um, um, about languages, sure. which is quite interesting. Like <laughs> we communicated with the director and with Gilles in English, and we played in French. So I think this chemistry and this kind of you know like this spy movie was like we we really have our own different language for for acting. The mm -hmm. French was the, the language of our love, but like uh, friends on the set, we always communicate in English. So for me, I think we had this kind of double personality, you know, <laughs> all the time. Like, uh, like uh, you know, like English personality, but when we acted, we have our own different language, which was quite quite nice and interesting for this kind of movie. It was a challenge for, for Gilles and Joanna, for sure, because they, I mean, Joanna, I mean, she, she had to act in French. I mean, her French is pretty good. She, she, she prefers to speak in English, but her French is pretty decent. And, and, and also in, in Russian. So, I mean, it was, it was a challenge. And Jill had to speak in Russian. And I, will, I think it's, it's pretty tough because they, I mean, they have to they have to be able to keep focusing on acting and their emotion while they had to to work in a different uh, language. So that was, I guess, that that was a, a huge challenge for both of them. Because so I was going to bring up um, 
not only language but sort of the covid restrictions and and all that sort of funneling into the production of this film in a way but and we'll focus on the language a second joanna because i think it's a very good point and i'll maybe i'll just throw the question out and we'll, we'll come back to uh the sort of spy question with you Gilles, in a moment but like when it comes to communicating in different languages as an actor and as a filmmaker as well, Jerome, is that a is, is that a hard thing to do, or do you find it comes quite naturally when you're just on the set making things happen? Quite hard because generally you always work with coaches very often, mm-hmm. but uh, it's great because when I started for the first time, I felt very often frustrated, you know, because I I always felt strange because. My mother tongue is Polish, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I remember when I played for the first time in, in the Eddy when it was French and English all the time and no Polish people, I, I always felt really strange. But then I, I adapt like a baby for, for the situation. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, but of course, when you have more experience, you know that this kind of, you know, crossing the zone comfort and this kind of feeling, it's a normal. Mm-hmm. So you can uh, project the uh, Polish feelings to the different languages. So when I started to work in Compromat, uh, I remember like Jerome was very like, oh my God, Joanna, because I really need to speak with him. Like all of the intentions, mm-hmm. we, we have a lot of, you know, like reading rehearsals. Then I prepared everything in Polish. Then the Russian parts, I prepared with Russian coach because I, I never play in Russian, which I thought it will be easy, but it's it's sometimes the sound is similar, but it's different. So for me it was, you know, not so easy. But what I can tell, like French for acting, for me it's I feel natural more than English. <laughs> <laughs> so so with French I, I felt very very nice, but still I had to learn how to how to um, put inside the the mother tongue feelings, you know, like like for you, you do do you speak some foreign languages or or only English? He speaks French. He speaks French. Spe- yes. Yeah, so so we can imagine like you have you have to cry in English and then Jerome will tell you, okay, could you cry in French now for me? So it's quite. <laughs> You know, different situations. So it's 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 hard. You know, it's not so it's not so easy. But then, when everything it works, you can be very um, proud. But for me, when I work with a lot of languages, you know, like I play in French, Russian, Czech. For me, for intentions and the communication with the director, I prefer to use one language. So generally, it's one language, like English, because I understand the more what I have to do, and I don't have to switch French, English, French, English, Polish, Russian, French, English. So I always communicate with this language, but I play with a lot of different languages. This is my method, which I try to do uh, and, I mean, and act like that. The, the conclusion for sure is that, I mean, not conclusion, but it's for sure Gilles, Joanna, or I, we were, none of us were in our comfort zone. Mm. Because of the language, because of where we're shooting, because of the, the, the COVID time, I mean, it's, it was a pretty tough one. But I think at the end, I mean, it was, it was pretty interesting for the movie, I mean, for the atmosphere of the movie to be all of us out of our comfort zone. 
Well, I think that that leads beautifully to to asking Jill about the same situation because you know what are your thoughts firstly on as an actor having to work with different languages and you know also the complications of COVID and things like that. No, it's quite simple. I was don't understand <laughs> just one word of what I'm saying in in Russian. I was only pretending. Ah, science fiction movie. I was like absolutely lost. So I had just to get involved with the emotion and the feelings of the character. But when I was when I was talking sensory, it was like another language from another planet. So it, it was just like pretending to speak it. But I was just, um, it's, it's a question of rhythm and to try to be involved with the guy at the moment he talks, but it was quite difficult Russian for me. After, after that, uh, when you have to, to talk with other uh, characters, we were trying to speak in French. And as I was in complicated for me to speak in Russian, it was really quite hard for them to talk in French. So it was like a mess. It was like <laughs> really weird. The person, uh, the character who played my, my advocate uh, was um, trying to speak in French, but it was like, it was uh, you, you can't understand just a word so even him and me when we was talking together it was like uh, it was like a, a fucking mess really so so we had to understand each other with the eye and sometimes it was quite complicated for him and for me so it was like Okay, I think he finished his part. It's me, I guess. So you're, it's really pretending at 100%. Not with uh, uh, Joanna, because Joanna was, um, how to say it? Uh, Joanna is like a cat. So she's playing with everything she's got. So you understand even when you don't understand. It, it, it was more easier for me. But. Um, it, it, it's as you can see, it's quite complicated for me to play in another language. Yeah, and yeah. Ju ju just to add about what you were saying about Jill, thank Jill you. Was saying, <laughs> 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 and it was, it was, it's true, you're a cat, but I mean, and he, you know, he was acting with uh, Alexei Gorbunov, who is a wonderful Ukrainian actor. And yes, it's true that he doesn't speak a word of French, so he was supposed to learn his lines as I mean, as Jill was doing for Russian, like you know, phonetic. Mm -hmm. But the first day they were shooting together, he made a mistake. And in fact, he didn't learn the scene he was supposed to learn. I mean, he just made a mess with the order of the scenes. So it was even worse than expected because, in fact, he hasn't prepared. So, yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty tough, yeah. He's not a cat like Joanna. No, definitely not. But, you know, my, 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 my character is completely lost. So I was lost as the character. So it was wonderful for me. It, so it was method acting is what you were saying. <laughs> like actor studio, Jill. It was yeah. French method acting. French, French method acting. French studio, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's also that's why I didn't try any French today because we already saw what me talking French would look like because it would be the advocate character. That was that's how it would sound if I was trying to talk in French today. No, um, no, five years, no, come on. Uh, um. Well, let's. Uh, I, I, you mentioned the relationship between uh, the two leads here, and I think that's an interesting thing to talk about before we sort of deal with the plot itself. How is it like, creating a compelling relationship between you know two actors, especially dealing with the constraints of you know 
COVID and not being able to spend time together on set, that sort of thing. Uh, Jerome, obviously, you co-wrote the film as well. Um, what is that like in creating a compelling relationship in these sorts of uh, constraints? Uh, I never had the feeling that despite the COVID, despite the language, there's been a lack. I mean, we've been struggling about chemistry between uh, between Jill and Joanna, honestly. I mean, it was... I, I think it's been pretty, I mean, as Gilles said very nicely that Joanna is a cat, but it's true that, I mean, they, they, they've been something super clear and easy as soon as we've been on set together. Yes, of course, it's been frustrating not to spend more time together. Yes, it's been frustrating not to be able to connect after the day of work, which was really tough about yeah. that. But on the other hand, first, as Gilles said, um, the fact that he had to feel isolated, he felt isolated. And their the two characters are, are connected. On the other hand, I think that Joanna's character keeps a huge, a kind of mystery for Mathieu, uh, complexity. I don't think he never totally understands who she is. And it's not only a cultural gap. And so I think it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty efficient. And that they are two two amazing and great actors, so it's always easy to work with them. And I'll, I'll throw it over to 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 Gilles. Like, what was it like creating the relationship between you two? Oh, you know, it was really quite simple because it was playing with Joanna. It was so easy. So she she's uh, a great actress and a great personality, a great a great human being. If when you met her, you love her. Directly, instantaneously, you know, she's, she's full of life. She's like a ball of fire. And when you see her, you trust in her automatically. So I've got something really, uh, uh, it, it's really true what I mean. So I, I was sincerely uh, in a absolutely truth and uh, I was trusting her. So it was really helping for me uh, to, to, to play this movie with her because she was like uh, the only ray of uh, light, uh, sunshine in this darkness. Uh, even even when we, we were playing, we were making the movie because, as as Jerome said, it was really complicated to make this movie in this country, in this time, in this uh, uh, COVID uh, uh, area. It was really complicated, but playing with her was like. A sunshine comes to me. So I was just, it was just like an evidence. It was, I was not playing. I was just looking at her and it was. That's a, that's a very <laughs> lovely answer, isn't it? Like... Jonah, you're a cat. <laughs> Jonah, you're a cat. <laughs> oh my God. A lot of, a lot of nice things. What a, what a day for you. Thank you so much. So much, thank you. Oh my God. I, I'm touched. I'm touched. Jill, to Jill you, you didn't say one word for me. Eh? I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I mean, I feel super bad. Eh? But, because I love you, Jerome. I don't have to ah, explain. Ah, I'm in love with everybody. Everybody today. It's true. It's true. You, you know, you've got some. Sometimes you play with uh, with partners, and it's not goes well it's uh you know it's something wrong it's like complicated and it's not in the truth um I, I i i don't love to play uh too much in fact i love to play in the line of the of the truth of life <laughs> you know I, I don't know if it's clear what i mean 
No, I, 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 well, I understood what you meant anyway. But um, Joanna, just you quickly before I move on to my next question. Uh, what was it like just creating that relationship uh, with yourself and Jill? It's, uh, thank you, Abadie, for all of these nice compliments. Um, this is true. Like, when I play with Jill, we just immediately find a connection. It was the same like with Rome. I think Jerome and Jill, we had this kind of company that I felt very comfortable and, you know, very well. But I, but I remember, like, for me, it was very hard to fly for the first time from Poland to the Lithuania because I had a very small son, so it was like, oh, my God, I wasn't sure go alone or with, with him. But I decided to go for 10 days, you know, like, be more focused about acting. So, so on the set, always I, I, I tried to do some kind of um, intro, but, but we had very close connection with the, with, with uh, Jerome, so I always knew what he wants. Mm -hmm. When we play with Jill, I was more. I felt that we have a that I play with the partner because sometimes it's like you don't have this chemistry and you play like with yourself, which is not so nice when you have to play and you don't you don't have this kind of like the ball when you when mm -hmm. you do something, your partner reacts for this. So. I, I really feel like in the theater just a little bit, like you really have a partner and um, and it's it's nice to hear like what what we said about me because I don't think like that, so maybe I have to be more optimistic about my character <laughs> about me <laughs> like Joanna like Kulik, but I was super proud because when I saw for the first time, you know, compromise, it's always strange. Mm -hmm. But when I saw for the first time with audience, they really read all of the intentions and our couple and our personality. So I would like to play more with this company. <laughs> because, you know, I felt, felt really comfortable there. And I think... Um, we did such a nice, great movie, like very specific. But but I'm so, and I'm very happy that we did this during the first lockdown, which wasn't. I remember when Jerome thought that <laughs> that it will be done because he thought that he have a COVID. So <laughs> when the director have a COVID, no way. But it was fake, you know, uh, information. So. No, no, I had the COVID. I had the COVID for a few hours. I'm the one who found the solution to <laughs> yeah. the COVID. Mm. I mean, I've been positive for a few I have, hours. I have, to, I have to to quit, but I come back as soon like, as, as I can. Okay, I just okay. come back. Okay. okay. Um. Well, I, as we're sort of wrapping up here, I've got I'm getting the wave uh, to wrap us up, which is fine. I have a couple of quick fire questions. I'll fire off to you both. Hopefully, Gilles can re rejoin us before we wrap up. Um, firstly, is just between the two of you, uh, Jerome and Joanna, what are your, what, just pick a favorite moment you have from the film. We'll start with you, Jerome. Uh, well, well, finally, my COVID test was negative after being positive. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, no, I, it's, it's super tough to, 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 to choose a moment. I mean, I've been, it's true as you can, as you, you heard, I mean, it, it was a, very special experience uh, for many reasons. 
but I mean, I've been really lucky to go through this adventure with these two amazing actors and a crew who's a crew I've been working on, on a few movies before. It's been super, super loyal, super hardworking. And I mean, I think that even if it's been pretty tough, um, I felt I felt surrounded by amazing people, um, artistically and hardworking people. And I feel lucky because of that, yeah. Excellent. Uh, Joanna, what, what about you? A favourite moment from the film? Uh, I, I really like um, the scene when we, when we were dancing, you know, during the, the, the party. Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was a great day. We danced all. We had some, some people with they, they kind of done it with choreography, but it, it was something, you know, nice during this scene. And I really like in, in the movie, the scenes, you know, in the theatre, like this. Mm -hmm. this kind of performance and then you know we met Svetlana for the first time and we see that she's very like she really likes to dance and she's she's really like a like a bird and this is the very very happy moment for her because she really like art so I really like this moment it, it, it's good you got to strut your stuff for uh, for a little while I imagine you were doing it to no music whatsoever for a couple of days on set but yeah, uh, we try to have the music. I hate, ah. you know, it's oh yeah, I mean, it's so tough. So I mean, sound engineer are super upset, but uh, but most of the, the time I try to to keep the music as much as possible. Yeah, good. I mean, that's yeah, hell. Otherwise, I, yeah, and I heard this music earlier. So when I when I uh, when I um, was doing the preparation for the character, very often I was dancing, you know, in the park in the room. Mm. <laughs> so I, I really uh, this music because. Um, mm, you know, he knew which kind of music he would use in the movie. So sure. I had this uh, song earlier, so it helps me really build Svetlana character too. It's always nice to have some soundtrack or some some inspiration for, for the character, for, for the vibe of the movie. We should well, shoot a musical. <laughs> yes! <laughs> um, one final question before I let you guys go. Uh, I want to thank you all again for your time. Uh, We've asked this question to everyone that's been on the show over the years, directors, actors, cinematographers, everyone that's been on. So we'll start with you. Uh, we'll start with you, Joanna. What is your favorite spy movie of all time? Mm, what's my favorite spy? I, I would be very, very boring by <laughs> James Bond, of course. It's fine. That's fine. James Bond <laughs> yeah. is a great answer. Is there yeah. any particular Bond film you like? I really like the last, you know, with Kare Fukunaga. Mm, yeah, no time to die. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerome, I mean, if I don't cheat, I mean, because I could, I could find an idea to sound original or whatever. Uh, but I mean, if I'm totally honest, I think my first thought is about uh, is it a spy movie? Yeah, in a way, it's a spy movie. It's not by Northwest. Oh, it's excellent! An excellent spy movie. It's one of one of my personal favorites. A classic, a total, such a classic. But I mean, it's just one of the best movies ever. Which parallels Compromat, wrong man in the wrong place, being chased, being chased. Look at that! Classic. I, I love yeah. a parallel. I love a parallel. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to assume Gilles has not joined us again. So I'm going to assume his choice is Compromat as his favorite spy movie of all time. <laughs> you understood exactly who is Gilles. It's perfect. Mm. Well, Thanks, um, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Jill, wherever you are. And Jerome, thank you all for your time. Uh, Compromat is a wonderful film. I had a good time watching it and I'll be talking to all our listeners just after this. So guys, thank you all. And I hope you all stay well.
Cool. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Calling all agents. Independent podcasting, much like the spy game, requires considerable resources. Whether it's research, equipment, hosting, or of course constructing a top secret volcano lair, we're putting out the call for your support. That's right. As you may know, we've activated the Spy Hearts Patreon, home of our ever-growing lineup of Agents in the Field episodes where we decode non-spy films from your favorite spy actors and full film commentaries with more intel than a Basil Exposition briefing. Cam, what have we got in our crosshairs this month? Commentary time, and you know what? Jack Flack, he's back, because we are going to be talking through 1984's Cloak and Dagger. What goes together better than spies and 80s video games? And if that sounds delicious, then become a true spy hard today and join the circus at patreon.com slash spyhards. But before this message self-destructs, Cam, resume the spy jinx. Well, there you go, folks. That was our chat with Jerome, Gilles, and Joanna. We want to thank them all for taking the time to sit down with me earlier on today to talk all about this film. From this point onwards, we're in the spoiler zone, folks. Cam and I are going to talk about this film. And speaking of Cam, I want to hear your thoughts. What did you think of Compromat? I enjoyed this film. Um, it's always interesting to kind of look at genre films made by other countries because on this show we tackle a lot of british films a lot of north american films and you kind of get a real sense of how they approach you know spy genre material and what i really liked about this movie was it did feel different than a lot of what we cover on the show we've i think black book is the only foreign language film we've done on spy hearts so far we have several on the list but i think so far that's it we also had Ghost in the Shell, depending on if you listen to the dub or the original. Oh, yeah, great point, great point, yeah. Um, so hopefully we have more of those uh, even in this year um, of 2023. But um, this one, it has a really, I think, decent Hitchcock vibe of a wrong man situation. Uh, and it deals with it seriously. Like, I like that there's a real element of tension in the first half of this movie where it's often scary what the protagonist is going through, being thrown in prison and he's being accused of sex crimes and pedophilia. And uh, the way he's trying to mask that in the prison introduces a lot of tension into the film. I found once it turned into more or less kind of the fugitive um, racing around Russia, it kind of began to lose its tension for me towards the end, even though I think there's a lot of bits and pieces that really worked. Like, this is a movie that I think a lot of people who are going to catch it on streaming are going to enjoy watching it. Spy fans are going to sit down, watch it, and totally be into its vibe and what it's doing. I don't know that it's one that's going to stick with them for the long term, but I do think it has enough to recommend it. I'm not sure I, I quite agree on your your last point. I think there's some actual things that I'm going to remember from this film for quite a while. Mm. Uh, I, I'm, I think I agree with you overall. I think there's there, there's definitely a lack of um, pace on the on the back half of the film. It definitely loses some of the magic it built up in the first half, although I think magic's probably the wrong word, but it it's it makes you uncomfortable oh, yeah. in that first half, especially the prison sequences. It it's really quite fraught. And you think of what Benedict Cumberbatch did in the Courier when we did a declassified and that a couple of years ago, kind of feeling the same vibes in a different way. Um but I think like one of the things that I'll remember is the relationship between both uh 
uh, Gilles and Joanna's characters of Matthew and Svetlana. I think that was a really wonderful and touching relationship they built in that very small window with minimal interaction between them, really. Mm-hmm. I think that will stay with me for quite some time. I think that was quite uh, quite well done. And it's interesting that you mention sort of that Hitchcockian theme of this film because, you know, when I spoke to Jerome earlier on today, he called out North by Northwest as his favorite spy film. That film is inside of this film. Interesting. I thought of, you know, kind of the classic Hitchcock ones, but I thought really strongly of the movie The Wrong Man with Henry Fonda, which was a Hitchcock you know, riff on what he typically did, but it was one based on a true story somewhat loosely. Um, and it was much darker edged than most of what Hitchcock did, where when you look at, you know, North by Northwest or 39 Steps, there's a certain playfulness to those movies, whereas The Wrong Man was much more serious and hard edged. And that's what I got a little more with this movie. And I think for me, like the first hour really did pull me in. It felt very character driven. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my issue, whereas it felt a little more plot-driven when you got to the back half of the movie. Um, but even with that said, there's some really tense elements of the movie. And, like, there is a character introduced in this film, played by Igor Djidzikin. And he may be best known to people as Kate Blanchett's henchman in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He's shown up in a few... Um, you know, Hollywood films, but that movie is probably his most memorable one. He gets eaten by CG ants uh, at a certain point in the film after a oh, fist fight with Harrison Ford. That's him, right? Okay. He's kind of like uh, in this film, like the uh, the Russian Stephen Lang or something like that showing up, and uh, you know he plays this hunter character. And I was consistently interested whenever his character was on screen. He comes across as very smart and a formidable threat. So like as the movie kind of tips into more genre conventions in the back half there's some definite born identity stuff going on when you know the two leads are on the run it feels kind of that stripped down born feel but whenever his character was tracking them i felt like these kind of gooses of danger kicking back into the movie so even though that back half did frustrate me at times it was bits like that that really kept me going there's definitely like an interesting story that's being told here and of course as you sort of alluded to this was based loosely on real events um, but like one thing I want to sort of bring up is just the concept of a compromat. Yes. It, it's not a phrase I'd ever heard, but it turns out it's quite a common activity, uh, at least in Russia, but it is used in other countries. Um, and I, I, I've, I've seen it before, just not really refer to it that way, but it's a very interesting sort of place to be in as a person and seeing it from their perspective, trying to get out of it because mm-hmm. it really could ruin his life. And I think with you know a couple of different turns, this, this guy's life could have been ended. Oh, yeah. Uh, not just like literally ended, like yeah. end of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, yes, like the way they set up, you know, him being sent to prison. And that's the first half of the movie was really interesting, I thought. Where, you know, you have this very, like, cultured Frenchman who's gone to Russia to kind of um, open them up to French arts. Mm -hmm. And we see, you know, him putting on a play, a very, like, homoerotic ballet play that uh, a lot of the Russian audience does not respond to well. Um, I thought it was an interesting choice for your first (laughs) unveiling of an act in Russia, but props to you there. (laughs) Matthew. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was a bit uh, headstrong with that choice, I think, a little bit there. Um, <laughs> it was bold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was a choice. Um, it, it, a choice, indeed. But the way that that kind of dovetails into his meeting with Svetlana, um, you know, played by Joanna Kulig, the co-star of the movie, I liked that it was 
a romance um, that was like very like aloof. It was two people who couldn't quite connect. And that continued on through the majority of the film. And it felt very different than what we typically see, especially with some of the old ones where they're in love after about five minutes. I like that this one, it was this like, you know, it almost, you had a sense that when she was helping him, it was almost like kind of feeling sorry for him. Um, and like the idea of kind of this very intimate connection doesn't really kick in until a bit a bit later in the film. So I liked how it was this very like slow burn relationship and just his survival tactics, what this character is going through, you know, flashbacks dealing with his wife and their relationship. I felt like a lot of the character building stuff was really like quite involving and interesting and felt a little outside the norm. Yeah, it's not something I think I've really experienced, you know, the compromise itself, but also just this sort of story I think we've ever mm. dealt with. it. I've, I've recently been watching uh, Slow Horses, the Apple TV show based on the yeah. Karen book. And the first season takes a, a few bits out of this. So I felt like I was on some sort of familiar ground, but there was, the compromat itself is not part of that show. So this, that was all new. But I, I know what you mean about that first half and that sort of whiplash into the second half, but I think some of the more fun and interesting things were explored in the first half that are definitely left behind. Um, I, you know, interested seeing him like adapt to becoming a spy when he was like having to live in the house and stuff and he had to like sneak around he had to learn spycraft tradecraft basically on the fly mm. uh, and that was quite cool because there was like this message and this sort of a suggestion that he was a spy matthew was uh, accused by the russian uh, fsb of being a spy although that's not we don't i don't ever believe that is the case but then he actually becomes a spy anyway so they've almost created a monster yeah it is that cary grant on the run and having to figure it out and stay ahead of these people. And I do think it does introduce a bit of a conceit with him texting back and forth with Svetlana, where I go like, they would have caught him based on this. Like they would have had her phone so monitored, but yeah, I mean the, the whole, there's a, there's a bit of a frustrating scene where you're watching the back and forth of Svetlana being interrogated whilst uh, Matthew's character is like writing a text out to her and he like goes to send it and doesn't send it. <laughs> it's, it's almost like a rom-com for one second, uh, just with very, very bad consequences. Uh, that that you know, got maybe a teeny bit of an eye roll from me. But again, it's not something I've really ever seen. And I think that the depth is something I really enjoyed in this film of not only Matthew's character, but also Svetlana. You know, mm. uh, her character is... She's married. She has a, a, a husband who is a survivor of a war. He's, he's got some mental and physical issues because of his time at war. And he's still struggling with that. And therefore, their relationship is somewhat on the rocks. So she's not particularly happy at home, but she's still trying to be true to her husband. So she's all, at all times fighting this like desire to be in a relationship. And you see her, you mentioned the nightclub scene. She's out dancing and having, and you see like the sort of fun come through. But she even says like, I never smile. She's always hiding it. She's always obscuring her motivation because she doesn't really want to give too much away. Uh, and, and I think that was just quite an interesting thing to explore because, uh, you know, she, she felt passion for the first time in that sort of dance hall, but she wasn't ever allowed to show it. I actually thought her relationship with her husband, played by Danila Vorobiev, um, was one of the highlights of the film. We have seen so many movies like this where there's like, whether it's a 
boyfriend or a husband or whatever, girlfriend. They are these very like one-dimensional characters that feel more like plot mechanics to kind of stand in the way. Mm -hmm. I was genuinely involved in this relationship and I found it so interesting the way that like they set him up as like kind of what you would expect. Oh, he's playing video games all the time. You know, like he's kind of abusive. And then you get more of an understanding of the psychology of the relationship and the power dynamics. And it's like, it really, I think was, it was trying to say something and involve you in sort of the emotional journey of both of these characters in a way you don't normally see when we're tackling more conventional North American films. No, and I, I was reminded of a film we tackled last year, uh, which is The Eye of the Needle. Yeah. Where we had uh, you know, someone who'd been to war, more or less, and lost a limb, and he was then reliant on his wife. He became very bitter. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think this version in A Compromat was just, just done better. I could understand where he was coming from most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, especially by the end. Um, like the movie is all about really Matthew Russell's escape, right mm-hmm. from forces. So like that's your primary protagonist. But it's always a good thing, and I say this all the time: when you underwrite some of your characters, it doesn't make your movie better. And this was a case where you could have easily underwritten the husband character. And they didn't. They actually took the time to develop him and to give us an understanding as to where he's coming from. And I think that really does just boost the the movie up a little bit. I was genuinely kind of like emotionally impacted by the ending Mm -hmm. of the film and what happens to him. And even like, you know, his um, father, played by Michael Gore, a Spy Hearts MVP who has shown up in Bridge of Spies um, and also Die Another Day. Uh, So that's always great. And also, a film we mentioned earlier, Courier. That's right, The Courier, yeah. So, like, it was awesome seeing the dynamic between the two of them, and it almost, almost sold me on Michael Gore's change of heart at the end of the movie. Almost. (laughs) Because I had bought so much into just the story between Svetlana and her husband. Yeah, I I definitely see what you mean about this film giving its side characters a lot more depth. And I I think that really does add to the overall uh, enjoyment for me personally. I think that I I learned a lot not only about the two leads, but I learned a lot with such a small amount of time about uh, Matthew Rossell's wife Mm. in this film, like in their brief relationships. A lot about there's, there's like a like a mayor or something that's offended mm-hmm. by the 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 arts performance, the ballet performance that he's shown. And you learn a ton about him just by watching his reaction to it, basically. Um, really fascinating stuff. And also, like, you learn about people's sort of moral codes because later on in the film, Matthew has made it to the French embassy in Moscow. And you think he's home safe. He's made it to the embassy. It's all good. But they politically have messed him around. And they say, basically, you can either stay here for the rest of your life or hand yourself in and go, go live in a Siberian gulag. Now, you know, you and I watched The Emperor's Candlesticks. We know Siberian gulags are not a good place to go. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's just not. Uh, also, we watched uh, Goldfoot 2. Don't want to be going to the Siberia. You just don't want to go there. It's not a good place. You also don't want to go to Goldfoot 2. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to go to Goldfoot 2. 
Yeah, both both very, very, very bad places. I wanted to just sort of briefly touch on the sort of claustrophobic feel they managed to create and that sort of isolation, I, at least I mm. felt personally, um, for Matthew's character. Uh, you know, very early on, he seems to have it all. Like he's turning to work, he's, he's got all his friends there, he's got a life, a daughter, a wife. It's gone within the first 20 minutes of the film. And then he spends these large periods of time by himself. And you know, one thing I learned through doing my research for the for this and for the interviews is this was all shot during the first lockdown. Okay. So a lot of... He was basically... All of the actors and the crew were all isolated anyway. They all had to go directly to their rooms. They couldn't hang out in between days or at weekends. So like, I imagine a lot of that isolation went into the performance because really he only had time to sit with himself. Yeah, I thought Jill Lelouch's performance was very strong when it was those scenes where he was watching his life crumble before his eyes. Mm -hmm. Like you could really buy into the disbelief and the horror and just like, because he's told that his wife has testified against him Mm. and just the complete, just like bowled over shock that he goes through followed by just the trauma of going through the prison system in Russia and having to hide what his, you know, uh, alleged crimes are from other inmates for fear of being killed. Um, I thought he really did a fantastic job getting that across in a way where you could be very sympathetic to him, but also understand yourself as you're watching it, exactly what he's going through moment to moment. You think it might not be so bad, but like put yourself in that position for a second. Your whole life is uprooted and you end up in a prison cell within the space of a day. Yeah, you would not know what to do. You would just be flummoxed by the whole thing, and you can't just sort of, oh, I'm innocent. Well, of course you are. Everyone who says that is in jail says they're innocent. Yeah, and you can't reason out. And to hear like your wife has betrayed you, and then being chucked in that sort of cell by himself, it really is sort of a dehumanizing experience. And I, I think uh, uh, Gilles Lelouch is fantastic in that sense of bringing that out of the character and i i felt like a sadness i hadn't felt watching a film in a while like i i felt Mm -hmm. i was genuinely moved at times seeing him react to his life fall apart because at some point eventually he's released from prison and he's on like on tag at home and for a moment he's just resigned yeah what more could you do and there's like moments when he's on the run later in the movie where it's just like him huddled up on the ground with like kind of like mournful music playing, and I'm just like this poor guy, this poor poor guy. <laughs> what, what's he got left in him? Like, what what can he do? And it like you know, at the end of the film, there's a sequence in a swamp, and what I liked was that many you know genre films or spy films end in like a big, big way. You know, whether it's a firefight or a huge fist fight or something like that, in kind of spectacular circumstances. You know, think of <laughs> Quantum of Solace with the exploding hotel kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked was it was two dudes just trying to walk very slowly through mud. It's just like kind of representative of his entire journey. This very slow trudge to freedom and constantly impacted by the environment he's working in. And I don't know that I quite bought him defeating this hulking (laughs) tracker dude in a fight. But you know what? I feel like the movie had mostly earned it at that point. If Roger Moore, in A View to a Kill, can take out all those people, I think, I think the very fit Gilles Lelouch can can take him on. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. 
I was actually often thinking myself while watching this of another French film called Anything for Her mm-hmm. that I saw at a film fest many years ago. And I think it was like Vincent Lindon was the star of that movie, I think. And it was about a guy whose wife was wrongfully imprisoned and he helps her escape. It was remade some years later as I think it was like the next 12 days or something like that with Russell Crowe. It was not a box office hit. Um, uh, Elizabeth Banks actually played his wife in that film. And um, I, I remember going to see that movie without realizing it was a remake and being baffled as to, like, why do I recognize this so strongly? <laughs> the whole time I'm watching Gilles Lelouch in this movie, I kept thinking, like, if this movie had been remade a handful of years ago, Liam Neeson would have played that role. Like, there's a similar quality they both have. It's like they're both, you know, attractive, very formidable guys in decent shape but at the same time there's a vulnerability they both have Mm. that really works in material like this absolutely i mean i I wrote down in my notes funnily enough uh, at least matthew is a better parent than brian mills true true like he's going to war uh, i think for this one and he's not trying to poison his daughter so (laughs) So, not yet (laughs) that's later that's That's later that's the sequel (laughs) compromat de um (laughs) yeah yeah, it's interesting because I I said this sort of briefly in the interview earlier, but I didn't know much about this film going into it and I didn't know much about its leads. So I was like, this is a brand new experience for me. And even with foreign language films, I find them sometimes a bit hard to deal with, with subtitles and things like that. This one just brought me in. I think it was just very well staged in that sense. And I think one, we, one thing we haven't touched on, but we did speak about in the interview is the language barriers. Mm-hmm. You know, during this film, this film, as I said, it's a foreign language film. It's mostly in French. It's partially in Russian. Teeny bit of English. Um, and that can be hard for, for an audience to sort of give themselves over to a film and to a story when there's that language barrier. And I know subtitles are there to give you that, but some people have trouble with subtitles. I do have trouble with them sometimes too. But I sometimes it just works, and I think in this film, it's the story is successfully told in the way that I can, even if I miss a line in the subtitles, the acting is giving me the emotion that I need to understand the scene. Yeah, and there's a real theme of like a struggle to communicate because not just between you know the two leads and their romantic, uh, or their burgeoning romantic relationship, but also with him going through the bureaucracy of being accused of a crime and talking to a lawyer who can't communicate with him very well uh, and just how that kind of builds with this frustration and the burden on the lead character is uh, pretty mighty by the end of the film. Pretty mighty and yet he he overcomes it with the help of uh, some amphetamines. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I I kind of wanted to see... Chems? Oh, it's chems. (laughs) Was it green? Was it red? Was it blue? Which one was it, Cam? Yeah, I... (laughs) I, I was I was wondering for one minute when he when he pops the pills, am I going to see like a moment of him like super powering up? Mm, right, right. Like I wondered if that that would be the turn during the fight. Like it just he digests the pills in time and he's like do 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 do. And you get a close up of like the pupils dilating, like limitless or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, or like just yeah, blood flow in veins or something like that. Sure, perfect, perfect filmmaking. Well, as this is a declassified episode, as I mentioned at the top, it's not a full-length review sprawling with all sorts of behind-the-scenes stuff. It's more just our initial takeaways from the film. I think by the sounds of it, you and I really enjoyed watching this film. Um, Definitely more the first half than the second. Personally, I think for me, I would recommend 
the spy hards out there to watch it. You know, the ones who follow us through every week and check out all the films. I'd say you'll get a kick out of this. I'm not sure if it will work for general audiences. Yeah. And it's interesting because I would say the same. I think the Spy Hards audience would probably get some value out of this one. Although notably, I would say the movie's at its best when it's not kind of falling into genre conventions. I think actually when it does that, that's actually where it's maybe not at its strongest. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you talk about the Spy Hards audience, they're people that really love the genre conventions of spy films. So kind of an odd recommend, but I do think it's worth checking out for sure. Of course, you can find a link in the show notes below for more information as to how you can get a hold of the film. Um, yeah, I think for me, I had a, I had an interesting time with the film. I think it was great to sit down with the co-writer and, and the cast to talk about the film. I really enjoyed that. And I mean, for me, I think one of my favorite performances in the film is actually Joanna Kulig's Svetlana. I think mm-hmm. very understated. I mean, they do get a Titanic-style sex scene, which is uh, yeah, in, which is interesting. Uh, definitely a choice. That's in my notes as well. Yeah, yeah. And she was incredible in the movie Cold War from a handful of years ago, and I recommend people check that out as well. Not spy-themed, but great movie. You'd think it is with a title, wouldn't you? You would think so, yes, but you'd be wrong. Hmm. We've made that mistake before. We're looking at you, trench coat. <laughs> But uh, yeah, an interesting film, definitely. And uh, yeah, let us know if you check it out and let us know what you think. But Cam, over to you. What are we talking about next week? Very similar type of movie, Scott. Very similar. Mm. The second Matt Helm adventure, Murderer's Row. That's right. We're going to hang out with Dean Martin once again and uh, (laughs) go on a wacky adventure that I'm sure will be entertaining. I can't wait to jump back into the bed. Slide down into the bubble bath and find out what Matt Helm's been up to. That's right. Hopefully it's uh, back in the year 1966. (laughs) May we never leave it. (laughs) There you go, folks. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next week as we tackle 1966's Murderer's Row. If you liked what you heard on this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and of course if you don't already please follow us discreetly of course on social media at spyhards that's s-p-y-h-a-r-d-s on facebook twitter and instagram but until next week listeners nous vous verrons parmi l'ombre.